0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. We're going to keep seeing the story, uh, two more parts that'll uh, be presented in the weeks to come, but it's so wonderful to see our children still being able to be part of Christmas just in a little different way this year, uh, in it all, we know, we know without it, beyond the shadow of a doubt, God's in it. God is in it. There's no doubt about it. God's doing something. God's always doing something. Even if it's a time where we might not see it, we miss it. We might not believe it. Uh, who knows? We might have even strayed away from our faith and walked away from him. That doesn't mean God's not working. He's working. Uh, I remind you last week, the scripture we shared about that, John 5, 17, Jesus said, my father has always had his work to this very day. And he said, I too am working. The working of God, what God does, it endures. It endures in the sense that it's lasting, that it's durable, it's permanent. Not in the sense of enduring that has to be a pain tolerated or that it's a persevering. That's a different definition of endure. God's work endures and it lasts and it has a purpose and it's his purpose. And that's simply And it's plainly stated in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14 that says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added, nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Fear him. And fear means to revere, to respect, to honor, to be in awe of him. What God does, it endures and it has a purpose. We spoke about that last week. And there's really no better example of God's enduring work and his purpose than Christmas. The coming of Jesus. Christmas is the plan And the working of God to reach us, his creation, at our own level. And that that plan was for Jesus to become a man. Like our opening song said, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God came to be with us as Jesus. Born like every other person. Born like every other human. He had a mother. He was born through a woman. And he came to experience all of humanity. Jesus entered time. But Jesus, we know, was before time. He was the plan since the beginning of the world. And he was before time. He stepped into time. And he's going to continue forever. He's eternal. And you cannot get more enduring than that, can you? Last Sunday, I closed with a question. Using both meanings of the word endure. You've been enduring. We all have. We've been enduring the changes of life since the onset of all the uh, restrictions due to this uh, COVID. And these restrictions, they, they will come to an end. There will be an end. Now, I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know when life without COVID restrictions is going to come to an end. But when it does, and after you've endured, we've all endured What will endure in you? What will endure for you? The sacrifice of Jesus endures forever. Does it endure in you? Will it endure in you? And I ask that question because it's important. And it's particularly important in the season that we're living A time when some are questioning God's motive. What's he doing? What's up with this? When some have been discouraged and despondent and they're believing that God has abandoned them. These are times when faith is tested. Will your faith endure while you endure? Or will it fall away? Are there some who are going to join the faithless a culture, a society that says it's worthless to serve God. It's, it's worthless to serve this Jesus. What does it get you? The faithless way often seems to be the easy way. But enduring with Jesus as our guide and our strength, it reaps untold rewards, eternal rewards. I want to consider this morning an example of enduring, not just for a few years, not a decade, not a number of decades, not a century, not even a couple of centuries, but four of them, 400 years. I'm certain that we will not have to endure COVID restrictions for 400 years. Even so, we might be wise to glean from this biblical example, it was a time that led to the birth of Christ. The 400 years that preceded the first Christmas, this was a time of enduring. About 444 years before Jesus was born, there lived a prophet named Malachi, and he was the last of the prophets. After Malachi, the voice of the prophets went silent. If there were a time to endure, that was a time to endure. Life and faith for God's people had always been accompanied by the oracles of God, the prophets of God who brought his word and his voice and his direction. But all of that changed. That stopped. But did God's purpose stop? No, his purpose didn't stop. Even in his silence, God was advancing his plan and his purpose for Jesus to be born. Now, what were these times like that that led into this season of silence? God's voice going quiet. These were the, the days that Malachi prophesied. And how did he, how did this prophet describe the people of God. Malachi said that the people were doubting God. They were doubting his love. They were asking, how has God loved us? And to their sacrifices, they brought the worst instead of bringing their best. But they said it was their best. The necessity of offerings and sacrifices, it became a burden for the people. The priests, the leaders of the faith. They led the people astray. They were teaching false things. Men were marrying pagan women. And then they were being influenced by the gods of their their pagan wives. And they began to worship those false gods. Divorce was epidemic. Sorcerers were being sought. There was injustice in the land. People withheld their eyes in their offerings. They were being greedy. They spoke arrogantly about God. They said it's futile to serve God. What do we gain? What do we gain? Having to go about like mourners, all sad and down the way God asks us to serve him. Malachi pointed out all of these things. And doesn't it sound a little bit familiar? Doesn't it sound like the day and age we are living in? People doubt God's love. They see it as futile to serve him. They speak arrogantly about him, that's for sure. They see no problem with worshiping other gods or consulting psychics. They practice injustice. Divorce at will, hey, that's going on. People are greedy, they're withholding, they're giving. It all sounds familiar. And Malachi assured the people that there was. An underlying problem. What was the underlying problem? He repeated it actually several times. And that problem was there was no fear of God. Let me give you just some brief examples through what Malachi wrote. Malachi 1.6. Where is the honor due me? Where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. Malachi 1.14. My name is to be feared among the nations. In chapter 3, Malachi gives somewhat of a summary of all the, that he had been warning the people about regarding how they had turned from God and the underlying cause. And in Malachi 3.5, he said this, So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, And perjurers against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. There was no fear of God among the people. And where there is no fear of God, people do what they want, they live as they see fit. And that was the state of the nation of Israel, God's people, before God decided to stop speaking to them through the prophets for 400 years. Malachi brought a a blistering word of judgment. And then God was going to be silent. They were going to have to endure. But the Lord did not leave them without hope especially those who had remained faithful. Now, Malachi, he paints a picture of society with a a rather broad brush. And we know that the entire population wasn't faithless. There was a small population that remained faithful to God and honored his name. And they responded to this word that Malachi brought. And in Malachi 3... We read about that, Malachi 3, 16 and 17. Then those who feared the Lord, so there were some who feared the Lord, those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. And I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. For those who remained faithful and feared God and honored his name, God was listening. God heard them. They were talking and no doubt their conversation was honoring the Lord. They weren't speaking arrogantly about him. And what does Malachi say? God would remember that. How hopeful is that? How hopeful is that when you feel outnumbered? When you feel like you're a stranger in society? When you feel like you might even be a stranger in your own faith? So many Malachi pointed out they were paying only lip service to God. Even the leaders who had turned their backs on God. But the Lord remembers the faithful. Malachi described it as a book of remembrance being written in God's presence concerning these who were faithful. And then what does it say? They will be his treasured possession. Not like the others. Not like those of whom it said, I am going to put you on trial. Those who had their backs turned against God. God saw it. And What were they doing? They were doing what they wanted to do. They were living as they saw fit. They were tired of what God wanted them to do. So God said, you're going to be tried. But God would spare those who were faithful, those who honored him, those who feared his name and revered him. Now, leading into this extended period of time, where endurance and perseverance would be necessary, God gave hope to these faithful few. And he didn't stop. He didn't stop there in Malachi 3, the fourth chapter, the final chapter. It opens pointing to justice and to hope. The final warning of Malachi. It's really the final warning of the whole Old Testament. But with it, there's great hope. Great hope for those who fear God's name and those who are going to have to endure. Malachi 4, verses 1 and 2 says, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. That's a blistering line of judgment. Verse 2 starts with this conjunction, but, which changes it. But, but for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. A day was coming for judgment. For those who revere God's name, though, the son of righteousness, rising with healing in its rays. And then what does it say? Joy will follow. The son of righteousness. What is the son of righteousness? The son of righteousness is none other than Jesus. Jesus. Malachi was pointing straight forward to the coming of Jesus. And I want to give you some characteristics of the sun that show us this wonderful metaphor that Malachi used to reference Jesus. Scientists and physicists, they say that the sun is the ultimate source of energy. Without question, the son of righteousness, Jesus. He is the ultimate source of energy. John chapter 1 tells us that all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. That's the ultimate source of energy. The sun is the ultimate source of heat. We need heat to stay alive, especially now, right? Seasons are changing. It's freezing out. Without heat, we'd freeze, and without the heat of the sun, we'd all freeze to death. The sun warms us, it warms our environment, it makes it livable. The heat of the sun, it's vital to life here on the earth. Winds are caused by the heat of the sun. The heat of the sun on top of the ocean, it warms up the the air above it. It causes wind to stir up the, uh, the waters. So it's not just a nice breeze that we feel. This wind has a purpose. It stirs up the waters. It keeps the waters from going stagnant. It moves moisture so that rain can fall on the earth in some other place. It picks it up from the ocean, takes it to another place. The wind moves pollen so that crops can uh, be productive. And that's like the Spirit of God. The warm wind of the Spirit. In John chapter 3, it says the wind blows where it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell from where it it came from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. That's the Spirit of the Son of Righteousness. And you might say, hey, that's all good. It's nice to have the warm sun. But the sun's not always warm. It can be scorching and that's true. So it is with the Son of righteousness. The sun in the sky really is no respecter of persons. It's gonna, it can warm you, but it can also burn you. I've learned that lesson. I've learned it the hard way. But if we respect the sun, we can keep from being burned. And that's the same with Jesus. Same is true. He's righteous and he's just. He can warm with the the wind of the Spirit, but he can burn like the refining furnace. Malachi 4.1, it refers to those who do not fear him. And what's the reference? Blazing fire. What about those who revere his name? Healing, healing in its rays. The sun it is the ultimate source of light. And that can bring healing. The light's, a, light's a standard. It's used uh, to measure. We have laser levels. They can tell us perfectly a level line. Officers of the law use a laser to measure your speed. And I know that one too. It's a standard. And that's Jesus, the son of righteousness. He's the ultimate standard. He's the light. And we need the light for life. We need the, the light of the sun for life. It actually gives us oxygen. Oxygen is, is necessary to breathe. Breathe. But it comes from the interaction of the, the plants and the sunlight with this chemical reaction called photosynthesis that provides oxygen through the sunlight on plants. And it gives us oxygen. It gives animals oxygen. And without that, we couldn't live. Without the light of the sun, there wouldn't be enough oxygen for all of us to live. We wouldn't have crops to eat. And sunlight also does this synthesis on our our skin, and it gives us vitamin D so our bones can stay strong. We don't get rickets. This is the the healing of the the sunlight, the healing rays. It's healthful. And without it, we, we couldn't even live. And doesn't that make what Malachi said all the more profound that the sun of righteousness would rise with healing in its rays? Another aspect of the sun is The sun is huge. It's massive. And because it's huge, it pulls smaller masses toward it. We call it gravity. If if I step off the ledge of a high building, the huge mass of the earth is going to draw me toward it. Because compared to the mass of the earth, I'm nothing. So it pulls me at 9.8 meters per second squared. Einstein figured all that out. We call it gravity. The sun is enormous compared to the planets. The planets would move in a straight line without the sun. But the sun and its gravitational attraction pulls the planet, and it changes that straight line into a curve so that the planets orbit around the sun. The sun becomes central to the solar system. Jesus, the Son of Righteousness, is the ultimate center, the center of everything. He's the center of redemption, and He's the center of atonement, and He's the center of salvation and justification, and He's the center of righteousness, and He's the center of eternity. He's the center of life because He's the very center of creation. He holds everything together. He holds everything together. And I give you Colossians 1 verses 15 to 17 about Jesus. It says the Son, the S-O-N, the Son of God, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's the ultimate center. See how the the son of righteousness portrays Jesus. He portrays Jesus. And I close with this. The sun, the sun in the sky, it marks the seasons. It marks the times in the seasons. We're going to Approach a season change in a few weeks, the winter solstice. It's when the daylight is the least. I look forward to it because then the days begin to get longer in terms of sunlight. and the light builds then through the springtime. So we get to the spring equinox where the, the day is equal, and the night the, day, the lightness and the darkness is equal, and then it continues to build the days continue to build until, until the uh, summer solstice, where we have the longest day of the year, the most sunlight in June. And then it begins to wane again until the fall equinox and back to the winter solstice. This is all marked by the sun. And Jesus, the son of righteousness, he marks our seasons. He marks the seasons that mean the most to us, that we celebrate. Days like Good Friday and Easter Sunday, Christmas, Jesus marks our seasons. And we're in a season right now looking forward to that, that birth of Jesus that we celebrate. The rising of the Son of Righteousness. We call it Christmas. The coming of Jesus on that first Christmas morning. And as we look forward to that, as we look forward to celebrating Christmas, even though we endure in this altered and strange, bizarre state of life that we're all dealing with right now. Even though we endure, and I know it's not going to last four centuries, as we endure, we also endure the culture. We endure the society around us. We endure a, a society that disrespects and dishonors Jesus, disparages him, puts him down. Even some churches have abandoned the word of God. They've walked away. They've stepped off the pages of the Bible. Truth is relative. The, the word of God isn't the truth anymore. As it says in Malachi 2.7, they have turned away and caused many to stumble. That was Malachi talking about the leaders of the faith. We might only be a few. We might only be a few who truly revere the name of Jesus and the truth that he stands for. And it may seem like we have to endure all what the culture has around us, but we have an eternal hope. We have an eternal hope in the son of righteousness. He's risen with healing in his rays. And he's healed from the most deadly disease. He heals this disease called sin. That's the reason that Jesus came to this earth. He's healed this eternally deadly disease called sin. We can be healed from it by turning to him. God became man to give, uh, to, to pay for our lives, to pay a ransom for sin. And there's no better healing than that. There's no better healing than that healing. Are you living under that healing? This morning, that's the most important question. Are you living under the healing rays of the sun of righteousness that heals your soul from sin? That's the truth. Living under that sun. Prepare for our communion. Those of you here in the house, you've you've got your bread and your cup. And as you're as you're getting that bread out, our communion's open. To all those who are in Christ, all those who've turned to the Son of Righteousness. of my sin I want to turn back to you Lord I want to repent of my life of sin Of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if you were more discerning, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. This is a great opportunity we've not been honoring the Lord, if we've not been fearing his name, if we've been taken in by culture, Father, as we bless this bread, we take a minute to say thank you for the opportunity to look internally, to look inside, to examine ourselves. God, if there's any of us who've not revered, honored, or feared your name as we should, if we've not discerned the body of Jesus, Emmanuel who came with us to, to be with us, forgive us, Lord. And God, if there's any in this room or who are within hearing my voice who for the first time said I need the healing race to be forgiven of my sin I've not honored God I don't want to be in the burning sun. I want to be in the healing race God I pray that you would receive that sincere turning to you touch that heart God and we thank you for it. Touch all of our hearts, God, as we want to discern your body rightly. Thank you, God. Thank you. Now we hold this bread and ask your blessing on it. We ask that you'd bless it unto us. It represents the broken body of our Savior Jesus and all that he did for us, came to this earth, gave his life, paid our penalty, and opened up eternity for us. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for that. We receive it with gratitude and gladness of heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat together. Now hold your cup. Lord, this is a cup of blessing that we bless. It represents the blood of Jesus given on the cross. He did it willingly. He gave up heaven to come here to this earth to partake in humanity. He suffered. He felt pain. And he went to the cross willingly. We thank you for that, God. We thank you that he gave his life for us. We thank you that there's no way we can pay it back and we don't have to. Thank you, God, that we who received Jesus' gift are your treasured possession. God, that you give this book of remembrance. We praise you for that, God. We praise you for that. We praise you that our names are in the Lamb's book of life because Jesus spilled his blood and we received the sacrifice. Thank you for it, God. Bless this cup unto us. We pray and we thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Drink together. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand as we bring our service to a close this morning. Leave here this morning, knowing with assurance that you're under the healing rays of the Son of Righteousness. And if not, if, if, if you've if you doubt that, if you doubt that, reach out. Reach out to us. You can reach out in a number of ways, but we want to talk to you and answer questions, and even pray with you if you're doubting the fact that your name isn't in that book of remembrance. You can even through through email, phone calls, get in touch with someone here. Call the office. We'd be honored to speak with you more about Jesus. Let's pray, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time for, for for visiting us with the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you condescended to come to this earth. And you took on the form of a man and you gave your life. Thank you for that, God, Lord. We just pray that we'd be able to leave here today knowing that we are under the healing rays of the son of righteousness. And if there's any that doubt that, God, I pray, Lord, you'd put the confidence in their heart. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone, anyone that's that's wondering, is it true? God, I, I pray that you'd speak to their hearts, Lord, and have them reach out. Lord, God, have them reach out. Lord, we want your kingdom advance, to see more with eternal life. And we thank you for that, God. And now, Lord, we just pray a blessing on all your people. Raise your hands. God, I pray a blessing. Lord, bless your people. Bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them. The smiling, warm rays of the sun of righteousness. Lift up that countenance upon each one and grant them peace. And may the peace of God that passes understanding keep every heart and mind and soul through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus.